This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day. First off, I have to give a shout out to my fellow listeners who are in the United Kingdom. It was sad news to hear about the passing of the Queen. Uh, even though I am not from the United Kingdom, thought I'd send uh, some thoughts and prayers to you guys currently right now. And the other thing too is with the Queen's passing, it became really difficult to find some news articles to talk about for today's podcast. But there are some things that uh, did stick out from CNBC because I am expecting when the Queen's funeral does happen in the United Kingdom that they're going to probably break down the cost of what it, what pretty much what it costs to have her funeral services. That'd be a very interesting topic to be able to get into when the time comes. But there are some things we need to be able to talk about in today's podcast. For instance, there's some news about some space companies, and they put up mixed second quarter results, especially after last year's controversial uh, segments that that happened with the space industry, whether it was through SPAC deals or when uh, Virgin Galactic made their space run with some billionaires and some elites, as they call it. So we'll talk a little bit about some of these companies today and what's going on with them. Shares of the company Smith & Wesson fall too as well, the gun maker, as they report a drop in demand in, in firing arms, which is interesting because there's a lot of articles going on right now saying that there's a huge demand for guns and ammunition currently right now, at least here in the United States. And it might be because it's just a different style of weapon that people are looking for. But it is an interesting topic that we need to get into today. There's news from Amazon as well. Amazon acquires warehouse machinery robotics maker uh, Klostermans, which is which is interesting because it means that the automation era is coming closer and a lot sooner than I potentially realize. We'll then talk about how UK is capping energy prices and they're ending fracking ban to ease their own crisis currently within their country. And finally, with Russian oil price cap, their G7 is trying to recruit more countries into helping with that result against Russia. With that being said, as I have to remind you at the beginning of each podcast, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form, and everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. Please do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market when you invest. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and for information for those who wish to seek and be able to listen to this podcast at this time. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Space companies put up a mixed second quarter. Here's who outperformed and and here's who flattered, okay? The second quarter was a mixed bag for space companies with some firms posting steady progress while others face setbacks. Most space stocks, many of which went public last year through SPAC deals, are struggling despite the industry's growth of 50% or more since their market debut. The shifting market environment and climbing interest rates have hit technology and growth stocks hard, weighing on space stocks. Okay, Satellite. And then, oh, they go into details of some of these companies. The CNBC breaks down the most recent quarter reports for Aerojet, Aerojet, Rocket, Rocket Dining, AST, Space Mobile, Astra, Black Sky, and the list goes on with more. One of them obviously being Virgin Galactic as well. And it says satellite imagery company Planet has yet to report its latest quarter results as the company follows a fiscal year calendar that began on February 1st. 
So they're probably going to be reporting their earnings next month, and they're probably going to be just as bad as some of these companies. But let's talk about some of these, okay? So for instance, Aerojet, for instance, Aerojet continues to draw a major portion of revenue from the space sector. The uh, probe pollution specialist takes a majority of its 528.5 million in second quarter sales from defense related contracts. Notably, President and CEO Elaine Drake confirmed that Aerojet's backlog added a United Launch Alliance contract for 116 of the RL-10 engines needed to power the Vulcan rocket series, many of which Amazon ordered. So Aerojet's doing okay. Then there's AST, who's up 36% year-to-date so far. This is the satellite to smartphone broadband company reported revenue of $7.3 million and total operating expenses of $35.4 million. Both metrics slightly higher than the same period a year earlier. The company has a $202.4 million in cash as AST continues to work towards the launch of its Blue Walker 3 test satellite in September. It spent $86.6 million on demonstration to date. Okay, Now, this is the crazy thing. Astra is down 88% year-to-date. It says Astra, the small rock and space craft builder. Astra reported another heavily quarterly loss, taking adjustable EBITDA. It means earnings before interest, tax. Uh, I don't remember what the DA stands for, but at least I remember that part of what it means. It says the company brought in just $2.7 million in revenue and announced the surprised cancellation of its Rocket 3.3 along with the launch pause until at least 2023 as it pivots to developing the larger variation Rocket 4.0. Astro has $200.7 million cash on hand. You know, we've talked a lot about how companies that have cash on hand are like hanging in there a little bit. And so this continues that trend with having cash is king currently right now, especially in these, in this sector. I mean, it's so, I mean, a lot of these companies, I mean, look at this, okay, down 58%, uh, Momentus, down 41%, um, Mineric, uh, Redwire down 54%, Rocket Lab down negative 54%, uh, Spire Global down negative 55%, Telstat down negative 61%. This is the, here's one, this is the Canadian one. The Canadian based satellite communication operator reported revenue of about 143 million, uh, converted at current rate from Canadian dollars, a slightly decrease from the year before with a contract backlog worth about 1.5 billion. Telstat adjusted and adjusted EBITDA profit of about 112 million. The company noted that the pending final manufacturer and financial agreements, capital expenditures could increase substantially to fund development of light speed network. Now, this is where the controversy comes in. Virgin Galactic, okay, they're down 55% year to date. Says the space tourism company reported adjusted EBITDA loss of 93 million on uh, negligible revenue. Virgin Galactic announced yet another delay to the start of commercial service, pushing it back to the second quarter of 2023 as the company continues to refurbish the carrier aircraft and begin its space flights. Virgin Galactic reported $1.1 billion in cash in hand and announced plans to sell another $300 million in common stock. It's going to be interesting. A lot of these companies, down 50%, down 16 down 59 Like, where does it end? Wall Street's probably not going to be investing in these companies anytime soon. And if you have a stomach for it, I mean... It is the future, a lot of these space companies, but I don't know. Currently, I just don't see the demand for space right now when there's a lot of issues currently happening around us in the world currently right now. So keep an eye out for the aerospace industry. I mean, I expect Boeing and Lockheed and I believe, what's the other one? Lockheed, Boeing, those are the two big players, but there's other ones as well, but they'll probably do well right now. But in time, these little ones, who knows what's going to happen to them? Maybe they just get bought up and then they just form 
these tiny companies under the umbrella of like a Boeing or Lockheed Martin. So it's hard to tell, but keep an eye out for aerospace out there. On to the next on article from the retail sector. Shares of Smith & Wesson fall after gunmaker reports drop in demand. Shares of Smith & Wesson Brands Inc. were down Friday morning after the company said demand for its guns returned to pre-pandemic levels. The firearms maker on Thursday had reported net sales of $84.4 million for its fiscal first quarter, a decrease of 69% from the same time last year. Smith & Wesson Chief Executive Officer Mark Smith blamed the challenging quarter on the return to normal demand levels and the company needing to correct inventory levels. Quote, the in industry experienced our first normal summer slowdown in three years, Smith said in a press release. Additionally, he said manufacturer orders were artificially depressed as the company partners sold through existing inventories. Demand for guns have surged in late 2021 and early 2022 amid the pandemic and social civil unrest of police killings of unarmed black people and the presidential election. Dallas agreed with Smith & Wesson's assessment of normalization of firearm demand. Although the disappointment with results that missed our estimates, we think the company remained disciplined in its approach and its long-term growth prudent management of channel inventory, a Lake Street analysis said in a note. Smith & Wesson has also been the subject of con uh, congressional scrutiny after lawmakers criticized the way gun manufacturers have marketed their products, especially to young men. For its first quarter, ending July 31st, Smith & Wesson reported a net income of $3.3 million, dropping from $76.9 million in the year-ago period. Smith & Wesson stock was down more 6% in the morning trading. The company shares were down 25% so far as of Thursday's close. Now, granted, this is an older article. I don't know how they did on Friday, but the fact, the fact that they're admitting, at least Smith & Wesson, that they're admitting that their sales were down because the demand for guns have returned to pre-pandemic levels means potentially, at least for those who are huge gun enthusiasts out there, cost of ammunition might be finally going down. There'll probably be a still demand for, for guns for people, but ammunition at least might become cheaper. I mean, with the last year and a half, last two, three years, if you've been paying attention, CNBC is still talking about gun manufacturers sometimes in some of their videos. Like they recently did one about um, Americans' obsession with, I, I believe, the AR-15 it was. But it's going to be interesting to see how these manufacturers take the money they made pretty much last few years and what comes forth from it, okay? Now, granted, there's still going to be a lot of controversy with the gun manufacturers, with the selling of, of firearms to people. But at the end of the day, these gun companies last few years made a lot of money during the pandemic and a lot... and people obviously every time there's like a tragedy of some way shape or form gun manufacturers there's always a rush to at least in the united states there will be there's always a rush to get more especially when a politician opens their mouth too so i'm curious to know how these other manufacturers are going to report numbers soon i mean it's hard to tell i mean smith when you when you think of smith and wesson if you actually look at the picture that they show of the of the smith and wesson booth uh, at the annual nr meeting on the article they just sold a lot of revolvers. They, they, they do. I'm sure Smith & Wesson has other manu manufacturers for their products that they make as well, but they're mostly revolvers. Smith & Wesson is kind of like the old school, like if you watch the old Westerns from Hollywood back in the day, that's what Smith & Wesson tends to make more of. So it's going to be interesting to see how these other manufacturers report numbers soon. And it's also going to be interesting to see what demand comes in the future when tragedy strikes or whenever a politician speaks out the trend always just shows so right now it's a downward trend for gun ma gun makers right now so it's still interesting to be able to talk about because they're probably not gonna be talking about on cnbc for a while and so we thought we'd cover it today so 
But keep an eye out for gun manufacturers, guys. I'm expecting ammo prices to go down, though, for those who are gun enthusiasts out there. So you guys should be happy about that. On to the next article. And this has to do with Amazon. Amazon acquires warehouse machinery and robotics maker Clostermans. Clostermans, I think it is really called. Amazon acquired Clostermans, a Belgian company that makes technology used in warehouse. The company announced Friday. Terms of the deal weren't disclosed. Amazon began working with Clostermans in 2019 using its technology to help move and stack heavy pallets and goods as well as package products together for delivery, the retail giant said. Uh, Clostermans will become part of Amazon's robotics. Amazon's division focused on automating aspects of warehouse operations. The unit was formed after Amazon acquired Kivia Systems, a manufacturer of warehouse robots for $775 million a decade ago. Amazon continues to launch new machines in warehouses. In June, the company unveiled a package fairing machines called Proteus, which is referred to as the first fully autonomous mobile robot. It also deployed other robots that can help sort and move packages. In a blog post, Ian Simpson, vice president of global robotics at Amazon, said the company is investing in robotics and other technologies and makes its warehouse safer for employees. Quote, as we continue to broaden or accelerate the robotics and technology we design, engineer, and deploy across the operations, we look forward to welcoming Clostermans to Amazon and are excited to see what they can build together, Simpson said. The prospects of warehouse robotics improving safety has been a topic of debate. An investigation by Reveal from the Center of Investigative Reporting found Amazon's warehouses with robots have higher injury rates than facilities without automation. Found in 1884, Clostermans began as a repair shop for textile companies and went on to build industrial machines. As a result of the acquisition, Clostermans remain a team of roughly 200 employees will remain, uh, correction, uh, the roughly 200 employees will join Amazon Robotics, Amazon said. Okay, that quote right there, that's the important one we need to talk about where it says, the report from the investigative reporting found Amazon warehouses with robots have higher injury rates and facilities without automation. I firmly believe the world is getting closer and closer to automation every single day, like more robots helping with things. I mean, if you look on social media currently right now, there are robots that will deliver food to you. There's even robots in hotels that will, I believe, deliver stuff to you as well, whether it's your food, extra towels, maybe a pillow. And of course, the big one, which the disclosure I do have a small position in is Nightscope Robots, which is the robotics company, uh, security robots company. Robotics are coming. There's no stopping it. Okay. When I worked at Target, I mean, we were told that a lot of automation was coming. Don't know if it actually did. But at Walmart, I know for a fact, they used to for the longest time, and I don't know if they still do, but Walmart had an article from CNBC how he talked about how they had a robot go down the aisle and it would scan the shelves as workers were working, and then it would order what it needed in the system as it was scanning the shelves. And then it would also pick up, well, not pick up, but it would, if it was scanning an item that wasn't supposed to be there, I think it would alert Walmart employees. It's been a while since I've read the article, but even Walmart's starting to use more robotics into their their system, okay? Robotics can just do things a lot easier that normal human beings can't do. And so the future of using more robotics, it just seems to be coming. It is. Now, granted, there might be more injuries currently right now at the Amazon warehouse, but in time, those will go down. I mean, that's just what happens. As technology gets better, injuries go down. So I'm just curious to know if one day we're going to start seeing more automation, not only just in the warehouse sector, but like in a grocery store, maybe, or maybe out on the highways too. It's hard to tell, but 
in my opinion, automation, and this is not obviously financial advice. I just think automation is coming and it's going to help change a lot of people's lives for the better in the making. Keep paying attention to that out there. Now for the oil and gas that we'd like to talk about so much on this channel, because it's just big news that's hardly being covered. First off, we're going back to the UK. UK to cap energy prices and end fracking ban to ease crisis. This is kind of big news. And granted, this news kind of disappeared after the announcement of the Queen's death on Thursday, I believe it was. So, I mean, there's some good news coming from the UK of how they're handling their energy crisis. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing what they need to do to survive. From London and from ABC News, the new British Prime Minister Liz Truss announced Thursday that her conservative government will cap domestic energy prices for homes and businesses to ease the cost of living crisis that has left residents across the United Kingdom facing bleak winter. Or correction, facing a bleak winter. The moves are huge for government intervention in the economy by Truss, who sees herself as a small state free market conservative. She says she, she favors tax cuts over handouts, but she has been forced to act by the scale of the crisis as Russia's war in Ukraine has sent energy prices surging. Trust also said she will approve for more North Sea oil drilling and lift a ban on fracking to increase domestic energy supplies. This is going to be interesting, and this should be a study done to figure out if this would actually help with fighting the Russian war. Is Will fracking help oversaturate the market with oil? My opinion, it probably would. But the UK is not going to be big enough play, at least right now, to be able to handle the fight against Russia. Continuing on with the article, it says, It has a huge policy announcement that a prime minister who only took office on Tuesday and was overshadowed by concerns about Queen Elizabeth II, who died Thursday afternoon at 96 after 70 years of a lifetime. In our energy statement, Trust said, We're supporting this country through its winter and next and tackling the root cause of higher prices so we are never in the same position again. Trust said two years ago, energy prices guaranteed means average household bills for heating and electricity will be no more than 2,500 pounds or 2,872 a year. Bills have been due to raise to 3,500 pounds or 4,000 a year beginning in October, an 80% jump from the current average annual bill of 1,971 pounds. Energy costs are skyrocketing at a time when many people and businesses are still reeling from the economic aftershock of COVID-19 and Brexit. Business and public institutions like hospitals and schools will also get support for six months rather than two years. The government says the cap will cut the UK's soaring inflation rate by four to five percentage points. Inflation hit 10.1% in July and has been forecast to raise 13% before the end of this year, triggering a prolonged recession, the Bank of England has said. The British government hasn't said how much of the price cap will cost, but estimates have put it... Uh, it over 100 billion pounds or 116 billion trust has rejected opposition calls to impose a windfall tax on oil company profits the cap will be paid out on treasury funds and by borrowing of course more borrowing by governments continuing on there was an important part of this article since thursday's announcement will bring relief to many through, uh, through though critics say the government should be on target at its most vulnerable those already straining to keep up with the relentless rising costs say they will be struggling through much of as much as they fear. Quote, I'm not optimistic at all. It's already been much of a struggle on what we're getting. I will be in debt without a doubt. There's no way I can pay 2,500 pounds, said Sharon Anderson, a former government worker in London, who's recently became dependent on welfare payments after suffering a heart attack. It says after paying for essential bills, Anderson's left with 23 pounds, $27 a week for shop for food. Yeah, this is going to cause a lot of chaos soon, okay? 
It says here, the reason we're in this difficult situation is because a Russian president, Vladimir Putin, is applying war in Ukraine, Trust said. But we do not but we do not need to make sure that our energy supplies are more resilient and more secure so we are never in this situation again. Yeah, people are going to feel this across the board. Somewhere in here, oh, here it is. Okay, it says, and this is where I get confused with the energy crisis with Britain. Okay, it says, Britain imports for its, for its natural gas, though largely from Norway, not Russia. And so it's vulnerable to shifts in global prices. Trust move will reduce inflation and limit the size of recession, but also lead to higher interest rates and government debt, said Paul Dales, chief UK economicus for US, uh, correction, UK cap, economist for capital economics. It's going to get interesting to see how this all plays out. In my honest opinion, like I just said earlier, I think fracking would be a huge benefit to ending Russia's war with Ukraine. And honestly, you keep flooding the market and you get oil prices to drop so low that it's just not worth shipping out oil. Got to flood the market somehow, somehow, shape or form. At least the UK is taking a stand and be able to end banning on fracking because the UK is going to feel it. They're probably they probably are going to enter a recession. The UK not trying to freak out my podcast listeners in the UK. I just read the news and but it's not just the UK. I mean, Sri Lanka is already in pure crisis mode. We haven't reported on them in a while or even talked about them on this podcast. But things might get a little bit darker, okay? Especially if they can get more countries to get the Russian oil cap, okay? It says G7 looks to recruit more countries on Russian oil cap before negotiating details, officials say. From CNBC, two months after they agreed to ex explore price limits on Russian oil sales, G7 countries are still trying to recruit more countries to join their efforts before they enter more detailed discussions about the policies uh, specifics, according to U.S. and European officials. The coalition has to be broader, and this is the diplomatic phase uh, or negotiators are entering into. So one European officials requesting uh, autonomy to discuss sensitive deliberations. They shouldn't have to be off the record on that. That's ridiculous. You should be able to speak up if you think your plan's going to work. Continuing on with the article, the world's major democracies, with the notable exception of India, have banned the import of Russian oils. They are now negotiating a ban of insuring and shipping Russian oil to other countries unless the sale is below a set price. They aim to restrict the amount of revenue the Kremlin receives, but keep Russian oil on the market to avoid supply disruptions. Key importers of Russian oil, China, India, oh, and now Turkey, have not yet said whether they'll join the coordination price gap or negotiation on their own side. Deals with Russia, their participation could determine how much leverage Western nations have to set prices. It, it's premature to start discussing the price before the coalition comes together, a senior treasury official told CNBC. Why are they hiding these people's names? Okay. These people need to be out up in front. They need to let the, they got to let the public know what's going on because what their decisions are going to affect oil markets. And they're also going to affect the fact that energy prices might soar because of this. They should not be hiding. They should not. If their plan's going to work, they need to speak up. They need to have their names out there so that we know exactly what's going to happen because it's not constantly fair how the little guys constantly having to suffer because of these decisions. Continuing on, foreign leaders and financial officials have several gatherings over the next two months at the UN General Assembly in New York, meetings of the International Monetary Funds and World Bank in Washington, and multilateral summits overseas to discuss the mechanism. Negotiators expect that the group of 20 nations, or 19 with Russia excluded, will have made a decision by the time they've gathered in uh, Bali, Indonesia in mid-November. Oh, good. They get to meet together again in Indonesia to discuss about this. What a waste. Continuing on, it was it was the expectation that the G20 countries will be able 
will have been able by that time to communicate their possible participation, the European officials said. Until then, no discussions or specific price under which to allow sale of Russian crude oil, high-value refined products, and low-value ref- refined products have taken place among allies. Uh, says here, last thing, and at least they're admitting on this one. In recent days, G7 negotiators formalized their intention to pursue the price cap after announcing it at a conclusion of the recent Alpine Summit. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen suggests that the U.S. does, doesn't necessarily need China or Russia to participate for the policy to have its intended effect. Senior officials of the White House said the Biden administration expects the price cap to go into effect by the end of this year. Yeah. Oh, these politicians, they drive me insane a lot. They do. And they should drive you insane as well. They're going to screw this up in some way, shape, or form. I'll keep saying it until people keep spreading the news about our podcast, but I, I just got to keep beating the same drum. We already know China and Russia. I mean, China and Russia. We already know China's buying Russian oil and selling that same Russian gas to Europe. Saudi Arabia, we have an idea, we think, and it's just a theory on this podcast, we think that Saudi Arabia might be doing the same thing. I still want to know what other countries are buying Russian oil and what countries are going to be potentially selling it to the world. This whole price cap thing is ridiculous. There's a there's an easier solution. Drill so much oil in every single country around the world that Russian oil becomes obsolete. And it doesn't affect the markets. Well, it probably will affect the markets. If you pump too much oil into the world or into the world economy, oil companies are going to get hammered. There'd be too much supply, not enough demand to meet it. But I think there's enough demand right now to meet what they're currently doing. But here's the thing. In the UK article, we didn't cover it that much. It said that the prime minister is allowing, I think, 100 more leases in the UK to be able to drill, to do more fracking. Whereas in the United States, President Joe Biden has been banning oil lease sales. He's not allowing any new drilling to happen within the United States. Now, granted, there's probably other lands that these oil companies can use, but we have to remember, it takes time to build an oil refinery or to build an oil field or to build an oil anything, okay? It doesn't magically disappear overnight. I think that's one thing Joe Biden always does is he just thinks it just magically appears overnight. No, it takes years to build. It takes on average three to five years just to build an oil well in the ocean. I can only imagine how long it takes to build it on land. And I think we talked about it in the past podcast. So go listen to the past podcast if you want to be able to understand how long it takes to build. But oil markets are going to get, we got to pay attention to what happens in November because oil markets are probably going to get slammed or they're just going to keep rising. And then we get to field at the pump again. Ironically, how they're meeting after the midterm elections too. Yeah, we need to keep an eye on that because oil markets are going to get hit some way. Whether good or bad, it's yet to be seen currently right now. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription helps grow this podcast so we'll be able to keep spreading the word of what's happening and be able to keep talking. Please also share with friends or family as they might enjoy it as well. And they might be able to share with their friends or family as well. And we can keep growing this podcast that way. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.